Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Pastor Turner got a little chunkier and a little browner. <laughs> For those of you guys that don't know me, I'm Pastor Javi. I'm not Pastor Travis. Pastor Travis is not here today. You guys get me. I'm so thankful that I get to bring the word this morning. I want to thank Pastor Travis and Pastor Tina for just allowing me to just be up here and, and break bread with you guys this morning. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Uh, um, I'm just going to ask you guys to do me a favor and just get on the edge of your chair and just get ready to receive from God. I really believe that this message has the ability to make you walk out of here just a little bit different than the way you came in this morning, all right? So all the glory goes to God. So one of the things, you know, how many of you guys like sports? I love sports. I, I grew up playing sports. Uh, uh, I, don't, I know you guys don't, can't tell, but I used to be an athlete. <laughs> Underneath the, all this, there's an athlete wanting to get out. I mean, I, I, no, I'm kidding. Um, I kid a lot. So, but no, I, I, I did play a lot of sports growing up. I, I, I'm actually going to show you guys a video here in a little bit. I, I did box for Golden Gloves when I was in high school, too. You know, I'm, I'm a bad man on no, that. I just boxed a couple of times. But, but, uh, but I did like, I love sports. I, I really do love sports. I got a chance to go visit my son-in-law and my daughter and my grandson a couple of weeks ago. And I got to go to a, a, a baseball game. I haven't been to a baseball game in over 24 years. A pro baseball game, right? I used to go all the time. And so I got a chance to go, and I forgot how much I love baseball. I used to go to Angel Stadium back in the day. I'm going to sound old right now. But where you could get a ticket, you know, for a baseball game and a soda and a hot dog for seven bucks. Okay? I went to a game in Seattle, and I literally paid $8 for a while. Okay, I'll, let me put it this way. I bought for me and my wife, my wife and I, a basket of fries, right, some chicken nuggets, and a water for both of us, $54, 50, 50. the water was $8 for a bottle of water like this. Whoever had the idea of bottling water deserves every penny they're making. I'm telling you, because you could get this out of your tab at home. I'm going to, $8 for, you know what I did? I just wet my lips the whole game. I made this last the whole nine innings. Some expensive water. But, man, I forgot how much I love. You know, we're high-fiving people I don't even know. We're yelling like crazy people. It was a, it was a lot of fun. I enjoy, I enjoy sports. I really do enjoy every aspect of sports but what I love the most about sports is is the stories behind sports some of the greatest comeback stories and things like that come out of the world of sports you know I love the 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 I don't know if you guys watch gymnastics much but I remember you know a girl that that in gymnastics who broke her foot just you know she worked her whole life to be in in the in the Olympics only to break her foot when she has to compete for the gold medal and she ends up landing this, this pole vault and, and whatever and lands it and wins the gold. I love stories like that. I don't know about you guys. I don't know about you men. But when I watch something like that, it tugs at my heart. 
and I cry. I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to say, I cry. I was watching UFC yesterday, okay? And Joanna, I don't know how to say her last name. I'm not going to try. But she retired yesterday, right? And I'm sitting there crying like I know her. You know, because I know, how, I know her career. I watched her. I, I love UFC. And I'm sitting there crying. See, Pastor Travis won't cry. He's a Marine. Marines don't, he won't say, he'll get up here and act like he's tough. I've seen him cry, but he won't cry. He'll look at me like, are you crying? And I'm, yeah, I'm crying. You know, I love, I love sports stories. I really do. I love watching people do well. I know what it takes. I know how the sacrifice and things like that. So I'm going to show you guys a quick video really quick and hopefully it'll tug at your hearts. You can write everything down if you want to. Be brave enough to write every one of your goals down. But I'm going to tell you something. Life's going to hit you in your mouth, and you got to do me a huge favor. Your why has to be greater than that knockdown. And I love it. Buster Douglas got knocked out. Nobody ever got knocked out by Mike Tyson and ever got back up. It was almost a 10 count. He was stumbling. They were four, three, two, one. And ding, ding, ding. Saved by the bell. He goes to his corner. The whole world is like, yep, that's it. Once he comes back out, that's it. Mike's going to just hammer him. And exactly that, Mike Tyson came out like, I got him. I got this kid up against the rope. Listen to me, many of you right now, life's got you up against the rope. You can't give up. You can't give in. Listen to me, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And if life's got you backed up, I need you to do what Buster Douglas did. Buster Douglas start fighting back. World was shocked. <gasps> Goliath has been knocked down. What happened? And they went to Buster Douglas and they asked Buster Douglas simply, like, what happened? And Buster Douglas said, listen to me, it's real simple. Before my mother died, she told the whole world that I was gonna beat Mike Tyson. And two days before the fight, my mother died. Buster Douglas had, he had a decision to make. When his mother died, he could die with his mother, or he made a decision, I can wake up and I can live for mom. And he knocked Mike Tyson out simply because his why was greater than that punch. His why was greater than defeat. His why was greater than his trial and his tribulation. And I'm telling you, if you don't know what your why is and your why isn't strong, you're going to get knocked out every single day. Amen. If that doesn't tug at your heart, check your pulse. You know, a lot of young people in here probably don't understand what that means. You understand that Mike Tyson at that time, over three years, he was the reigning world champion. Over half his fights were won under, nine, under one minute of the first round. He, he was a bad man. He knocked people out. Buster Douglas was a 42 to 1 odd, odds to, to win, to beat Mike Tyson. Nobody even knew who Buster Douglas was. But he ended up being white because his why was bigger than that punch. My prayer is that this morning, when as we guys listen to this message, that God would direct my words and you walk out of here just a little bit different, that your why would be bigger than your circumstance. That your why would be bigger than whatever situation you're going through. That your why would be bigger than whatever storm you're going through right now. There's a lot of people in this room this morning that you're going through something 
And I'm going to talk about this message, and this message, I got it from the youth um, group because I preach in the youth, but in this message, I was going to name it something else, but it's just simply resilience, okay? And my prayer is this, that as we walk out of here, we know for ourselves, once and for all, who God is in our life. And we will walk out of here a little bit different, knowing that God is bigger than whatever it is that you're going through. God is bigger than whatever it is that you're going through. And I know you're probably sitting here going, yeah, that's great, Pastor Javi. You know, but you don't know what I'm going through. It's great. You're sitting up there and your life is perfect. But you don't understand the pressures that I'm going. You don't understand. I just lost somebody. You don't understand. I've been working the same job for 25 years and I just got laid off. You don't understand. I just went through a divorce. So it's great, but you don't understand what I'm going through. You know, that might be true. And a lot of you guys, you're going through stuff and people don't even know you're going through it. Or maybe some people do. But you're sitting here and no matter who knows or if anybody knows, you still feel all alone and hopeless going through whatever it is that you're going through. And my prayer is this, that when you walk out of here today, you'll really get to know who God is. Or you'll get this burning desire to get to know God a little bit better than you knew him before you came in here. Amen. See, we've all gone through stuff. We all go through, through stuff in our life that hits us right where it hurts. And, we, and a lot of times if we're not in the right place, it, it paralyzes us. It gives us no hope. We stop living. I remember being married for about four or five years, and I had two little girls and my wife at home, and I'm working this job. And all of a sudden, I go into work, and they call me in the office, and they say, hey, I'm sorry, but we can't afford you. You, you, don't, you no longer have a job. And I'm a young, good-looking guy. I mean, I'm a young guy working, and I go out to my car, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I just start crying because I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, my, my wife is depending on this job because my wife has epilepsy and this job had insurance. I got two little girls that are depending on me. And here I am sitting in my car just feeling hopeless. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And I have to go home and face my wife and tell her, hey, I don't have a job. And I'm feeling hopeless. I start driving home and I drive by this, this uh, recruiter's office and it says United States Marine Corps. And I'm like, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a Marine. Okay. I'm going to join because see, if I go into the military, I'm going to have a great job. It's going to last at least four years. Right. And I'm going to have insurance. My kids are going to be taken care of. My wife's going to be taken care of. I'm going to make something of myself. So I said, all right, I'm going to go in there. So I walk into this recruiter's office, right? And the recruiter looks at me and goes, I can't do anything with you. He said, you're too good looking. No, that's not what he said. <laughs> he said, he said, he said, listen, how much do you weigh? I said, uh, you know, a buck and a quarter. No, I, I weigh 225. And he says, I got, you got to be at least 190 before we can even look at you. And I'm sitting right there and I feel like somebody kicked me in the gut. Right? And I'm thinking, like, man, what am I going to do now? So he goes, but man, you know, you can, you can go and work out and lose some weight and then come back. And he gives me, he was really, really nice. He gives me this piece of paper and it says, fat boy diet. And I, and I take it home and I get in my car and, and I'm just sitting there and I feel, you know, a little bit hopeless for a second. 
But I said, no, I could do this. I could do this. I'm going to go home. I'm going to do it. So I go home. I tell my wife, babe, I got good news and I got bad news. I, the bad news is I lost my job. But the good news is I'm going to be a Marine. And she looks at me like I'm crazy. Right? I said, no, really, I am. I'm going to be a Marine. And they gave me this. I just got to lose, like, a lot of weight. And, and then I could be a Marine. And so we're going to go grocery shopping and get everything. And so I go do it. Right? And the next day I wake up early in the morning, like, like 7 o'clock early. And I'm going to go running, right? So I take off running, and I run like one, maybe two feet, and, and I almost died. And, and so I'm like thinking like myself, like, there's no way I could do this. But I got up the next morning, and I did it again. And I got up the next morning, and I did it again. Three months later, I go into the same recruiter. He recognizes me, and I go in there, and he says, he looks at me. and goes, man, this guy is a Marine, right? I went in, and he weighed me, and I weighed 174 pounds. Then we ended up, I ended up signing up for the Marines and I ended up going to MEPS and at MEPS, I almost killed myself, but at MEPS, I, I weighed 168 pounds. I took a bunch of my wife's water pills, stuff like that, and then I was hospitalized for like four days. But that's another story, that's another sermon. <laughs> but, but, I, but I ended up going and I, and I ended up in, and then, so then while I was training, I was also studying so I can score high on the test. And, and um, I went in and I scored very, very high. I can pretty much pick what I wanted to do. So my, my wife's uncle finds out, and he says, hey, Javi, don't sign anything until I talk to you. So he flies down from, from back east, and he goes, hey, listen, these are all the jobs you can do with your, with your score. I mean, this one will pay this much. This one's pay this much. So I was going to go in as an air, uh, aeronautic aviation specialist firefighter, okay, which meant that I was going to go in and wait for an airplane to crash so I can turn the fire off. Hardly ever happens, okay? So then that means that I would have all kinds of time to go to college and get my degree and finish my degree. I was going to come out and I was going to be set, right? So I picked exactly what I wanted to do, and it was a pretty high-paying job. I went in, you know, higher than just a, an entry level. And so I know where I'm going to go. I know what day I'm going to ship out. I know what I'm going to do. I know for how long I'm going. And about two weeks before I was supposed to ship out... <laughs> Uh, my recruiter calls me and says, hey, I need you to come back. We have to go back to MEPS. Something's wrong. So I said, okay. So we get over there. We drive. And they have to send me to an eye specialist. So they send me to an eye specialist. They do all kinds of exams. And then I go back to MEPS. And I sit in front of this beautiful lady. She wasn't. And uh, she was mean. She was a mean lady. And she says, and she looks at me. doesn't say anything. She's like, uh, just looks through my paperwork. Pulls out a, a red stamp and stamps denied on it. And I literally sat there and started crying in front of her. And it's like, no, no, you can't do this. I'm like, I can see. I really could. I mean, I got special contacts, and I can see. I'm like, no, we can't do anything. You, got, you have a deteriorating retina. And I'm like, and we can't take that chance. So she just said, I'm sorry, and whatever. So I'm like, say, pleading with her, and she didn't care. Well, she couldn't do anything about it. Um, so I go outside to my car, and again, I feel everything that I've done, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, but to, to get skinny is not easy, okay? To be committed to running, I was running an average of seven miles a day every morning. Sometimes I do it in the afternoon just for fun, okay? It's a lot of work. It's a lot of commitment. You have to eat like a rabbit. I don't look like this because I eat like a rabbit. So it's a big sacrifice. So everything that I did so I can join the military... So I can be denied. And now I sit in my car and I have to go back to my wife and tell her I'm not going to be a Marine. 
And I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. We all go through this stuff, right? Maybe this doesn't measure up to what you've gone through, right? Maybe you, maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you've been through a divorce. Maybe your, your, your story is probably a lot bigger than my story, but the same applies to you. Listen, I'm not here telling you that your story or the, your feelings, that they don't mean anything. They mean a lot. I'm not telling you that you're just going to get over it and everything's going to be okay. I'm not saying that it's real. But I'm here to tell you that you serve a mighty God. A mighty God who's still in the business of healing. Still in the business of restoration. And he still cares about you. He knows your past from your future. He knows every hair that you put on your head. He loves you because he loves you. And just like Buster Douglas did, he, he could have laid down and died with his mom or he could have sit there and shocked the world. And that's exactly what he did. My prayer is this, that you can find the why and it can be bigger than your circumstance this morning. Is that all right? I really believe that we, learn, we serve a great and mighty God that's still in the business of doing what he does. See, when situations and things get difficult, we got to lean on the only thing that gives us hope, the only thing that gives us purpose, the only thing that stays the same, regardless if I lose my job, regardless if I go through a breakup, regardless if my life isn't lining up, or being what exactly what I thought it was going to be. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, we have all gone through stuff, right? We've all gone through things. But I want to talk about what it means to be resilient. What it means to believe in who God says he is. So that you can go through whatever it is you're going through. And you can learn from it. And you can come out better on the other side. And stronger on the other side. Resilience is just the ability to keep going when you don't want to. The ability to keep pressing on when it's the last thing on your mind. Because the pain is so hard and the hopelessness is so big. Resilience is the ability to grab onto God. When you don't have the energy to grab onto him. is, the, is the, the ability to show up here on Sunday when you work till 3 o'clock in the morning this morning. When you're tired and you don't feel like coming. And your bed feels so much better. But you know that if you come here, you're going to leave here a little bit different than the way you came in. That's resilience. We've all gone through stuff. A thousand years ago, there was a guy by the name of Paul. I don't know if you guys heard of him, but there's this guy named Paul. And if anybody had a reason to give up, it would be Paul. Right? I mean, Paul, if you know Paul, Paul didn't start off as a great guy, right? He was kind of like a, like, a, like a bad guy. To put it, to put it lightly, he, was, he, was, he, was, he treated people badly, especially if you believe in Jesus. He treated them really bad. And, and then one day, check this out. One day, Paul met Jesus for the first time. 
One day, Paul met Jesus for himself. The very person that he hated, he met him one-on-one. And when Paul met Jesus for the first time and found out who Jesus was, it's when everything changed for Paul. Right? Listen, somebody in here today needs to meet Jesus for the first time. Somebody in here needs to hear really who Jesus is in your life. Paul, his life changed so drastically that he wasn't just being nice to Christians. He was being nice to everybody. He was actually started following Jesus and spreading his message around the world. He started many churches. He preached to many people and, and got them to change their lives for the better. This is Paul. You would think that life for Paul got great after that, right? You would think that Paul had his fine, his, 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 he, he found a new focus, a new purpose in his life. You would think that his life was complete and he had a complete turnaround and his life was just going to be perfect from here on out. I mean, he was a leader of the church. He brought people to the Lord. He was living a great life, right? It sounds great. I mean, he went from being this person, met Jesus, and his life just changed. Doesn't that sound great? Don't some of us want that? Just me? Okay. I'll preach to myself today. Except it wasn't. Right? Paul, Paul goes on to say this. He, he writes this to, to one of the churches that he started. He writes this letter about detailing all the trouble that he dealt with since, following, since he started following Jesus. And this is what he writes. I know. I'm getting skinny. Hey. Thank you. I need a sweat rag. I got a sweat rag. I just didn't bring it. It's okay. You guys look at it as sweating. I look at it as I'm getting skinny. Where was I? Okay. So he writes this letter to a, a church, and he's detailing how his life has been since he started following Jesus. And this is what he writes. Check this out. He says, I have, I have been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number. And faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day off adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I, I have faced danger from rivers and robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and in the deserts and in the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but, but, but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sh uh, sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty. I've gone without food. I have uh, shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. See, in case you missed it, in case you didn't catch that, prison, whipped, face death, lashes, um, beaten with rods, stoned, shipwrecked, adrift at sea, danger after danger, 
hungry and thirsty and cold. It's pretty intense, right? This is the guy who wrote almost half of the New Testament. This is a guy who had every reason to believe that all the good stuff that he did would equal to an incredible life. This is Paul. This is Paul. He, would, he, he thought that his life would be alive without pain, without difficulty, without heartache. This is also the guy who faced more difficult, more trouble, more, more adversity, more pain than any of us can ever imagine or ever fathom. This is Paul. But here's the thing. Know what happens. This is very important. Paul had every reason to walk away from God. Right? Pastor Travis talked about last week how we, we as pastors, we see people coming to the church all the time. We see them come and we see them go. We see people that are going through stuff in their life that are addicted to drugs, alcohol, that have faced crazy stuff. And they come in here and their life starts taking shape only to see them gone a few months later and never seen again. And I was asking our, our staff before church, I said, why is that? Why is it that we see people sometimes give their life to the Lord and then three months later we don't see them again? Or they're not consistent or their life is always in, in turmoil or always going through something. Why is that? And so I asked them a question. I said, who's God to you? Tell me who God is. If I was to ask people, who, what is God in your life? And they start saying all these things they know about God. Oh, he's merciful. He's, he's always there. He's, the, he, he's a healer. He's my comforter. He, I mean, we can sit here all day long and name who God is. Right? And it's powerful. And I said, if that's the case, then why do we choose to walk away from him? Why is it easier to go to the, to the world when we face troubles? Why when something goes wrong, your first thought is, oh, I need a beer. I'm going to say something. I'm going to step on somebody's toes. I'll let Tra Pastor Travis fix it next week. <laughs> but, but I believe that the reason this happens is because we don't really know the God we serve to the fullest. Okay, I got a couple of claps. I'm okay. Paul had every reason to walk away from God. He did everything he could. I had every reason to give up. I did everything I could to get into the military. Everything. I got skinny. The youth laughs at me because I was, man, I used to be tall, dark, and handsome, right? I always say that, right? I was. And then my kids grew up, and I'm not tall anymore. <laughs> Paul had every reason to give up, but he didn't. Look at what he goes on to say to another church. He says this, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. 
Paul says this one thing. I want you to pay attention to it. He says, I have not achieved it. What's it? It's knowing God to the fullest. Paul himself, who started churches, who brought people to the Lord, said, I have not achieved it yet. I don't know everything about God. I don't know him the way that I need to know him. Listen, I got news for you. I don't know God the way I need to know him. I am a firm believer that I'm going to go to heaven still not knowing God completely. But my job as a, as a son of God, as a Christian, is to every day strive to know him a little bit better. For myself. Paul said, I have not achieved it. How do you achieve it? It's not hearing about Jesus. We would all be saved. We hear about him every single Sunday. It's not about singing songs about Jesus. It's not about, we even pray to God, right? It's about knowing him to the fullest. How many of you guys know him to the fullest? We got some work to do. I promise you when, you're, when, you're, when your sole focus is to know God a little bit better every day, and that's what you're focused on. Everything else around the world doesn't matter. Paul is talking about having a personal experience of lasting and tasting who God really is in your life. Tasting who God really is in your life. Pastor Travis talked last week about eating sushi. I've known Pastor T for roughly about 20 years. For 20 years I've been trying to get this guy to eat sushi. Listen, you can look up here and you you just you can just look and know I know how to eat sushi. Okay? So I'm trying to tell him every way to eat it, every place to go. Don't go to that place. Go to this place. Don't eat this. Eat that. Hey, you got to know. You got to go with the right person. And I promise you when you taste it, man, you'll be addicted. Man, I'm telling you, Travis, you're missing out. I'm like, I'm like, I'm doing everything except spoof feeding him. And he's like, nope, nope, I don't like it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the big fuss is about, blah, 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 right? And then all of a sudden he tastes it. And there's empty shelves at Ridley's. I'm not even kidding. You, you can't even smell sushi over there right now. Because Pastor Travis said it. I don't know what it is about Pastor T. But he says, hey, we're all going to go on a diet. You all go on a diet. <laughs> we all need to buy this. We're going to buy it. And we fall for it. But this is, this is the thing. This is what I want you to understand. Check this out. Travis is addicted to sushi now. I don't know if you know Trav, but Travis, man, he gets on something. He, he puts on like those blinders that they put on. And he's just dead on. I mean, he's focused. We were having sushi every day for a while until like, okay, this is enough. Right? I mean, that's what he, that's what he does. My point is this. Pastor T can sit up here and unwrap who Jesus is and talk about how good he's been to him and, his, and what he can do in your life. 
And how, man, if you just give your life to God, your life would have a drastic change. Pastor T can tell you all about it, how to do it, how to read, be here at a crazy time at 10 o'clock at night and pray till midnight. And, and I'm telling you, God is going to begin to move in your life. He can, he can write you a book. But until you taste God for yourself, you're never going to understand the power that he's got over your life to make addictions go away, to make uh, 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 hopelessness, hopelessness go away, to give you a purpose in life when you taste it for yourself. Listen, I tasted God for myself 23 years ago in my car by myself, addicted to meth, addicted to coke, an alcoholic. I smoke two and a half packs a day of cigarettes a day. Two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. Yeah, that. And in one instant, in my car, I said, Lord, take these addictions away from me, and I would never turn away from you. And I, had to, I met Jesus for the first time. I've heard about him. Man, I was talking to some of the youth. I grew up in a religion where I went to church every single morning before church, youth, every day at 6.30 in the morning, Oakland, right, with a bunch of old people forced to go. I knew about Jesus. I heard, we sang the songs, okay? I didn't know Jesus because when you know Jesus, you don't run away from him. You run towards him. Come on, somebody. When you know Jesus, you don't need to call Pastor Travis when you're going through something. You get on your knees and you begin to talk to your Heavenly Father who already knows what you're going through and already knows what you need. See, the difference was Paul knew that knowing Jesus changes everything. Knowing Jesus, I talk to some people that I, that I work with, and I say, you don't have to tell me that God's doing good things in, you, in your life. I can see it, right? The people that I don't see are the ones that come in here, like, how you doing? Oh, Jesus is still on the throne. Yeah? Because I saw your Facebook post last night. What throne is that? Come on, somebody needs to hear that. I'm telling you, I'm gonna, Travis has got some fixing to do the next week. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Want to know why? Because we don't have time for watered down messages. We don't have time to pretend we're Christian. We don't have time. Listen, if you dare put that label on yourself as a Christian, start acting like it. Is that okay for me to say? If it's not, you guys can talk to Trav when he gets back. I'm going to. See, the reason I know as a Christian you can have resilience is because Jesus himself had re resilience. Everything that you're going through, Jesus already died on the cross for it. And he didn't stop. And he hasn't stopped. Everything you're going through, everything you're going to go through, he already knows it. All you got to do is trust in him with everything that you got. Complete surrender. I'm not saying be weird. Just complete surrender to God. Put him where he belongs. Love God above all things. That's the first commandment. Love God above all things. Not love God above all things until football season starts, Oakland. 
Okay? Above all things. You know, when I became a pastor, I got, I always wanted NFL ticket because I could watch every game. When I started working for the church, I haven't, I, I can't watch football on Sundays. I don't have the time. That's okay. That's why they have ESPN for. I can see it all highlights and stuff, right? Love God above all things. Put him in his rightful place. Start singing to him and for him rather than about him. Check this out. Paul goes on to say this. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on. Forgetting the difficulties that could keep me from going deeper with God. Forgetting my circumstance. Again, I'm not here to say that your feelings aren't real. I'm not here to downplay what you're going through. But I'm here to glorify my, God, my Father in heaven who can give you peace and healing and purpose through your trial. Healing and peace and purpose through your trial. You can't do it on your, by, by yourself, I promise. I used to tell my kids this all the time growing up. Without God, you will not make it. My wife would get mad at me because that's not true. No, it is true. Without God, you're not going to make it. You'll get through. You'll get through it. You'll face heartaches. And some of you guys might fall. Listen, when you figure that out, your marriage still has hope. Even though you already have one foot out the door. Your kids still have hope. Even if everybody else is giving up on them. You still have hope, even though the enemy's lying to you and say, you know what? You're not good enough. His grace is sufficient. If it could be sufficient for a short little fat guy that's up here, it could be sufficient for you. I serve the same God that you serve. We got to keep our focus on the things that matter. Your why has to be bigger than your circumstance. See, while Jesus was alive on earth, he said something to his followers that I think can help us understand. I say this all the time. He said this. He says, I have told you these things so that you, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You're going to face trouble. We say that all the time. My biggest prayer, and I've said this before, is that we walk out of here being students of your trials. In everything, ask yourself, Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this? I know this is difficult, and I can't go through it by myself, and it's tearing me apart, but what are you trying to teach me? Be a student of your battle. Be a student of your storm. And I believe through that, and knowing who God really is in your life, you will build resilience to be able to get you through the things that you need. Resilience helps us to never give up. Resilience in the Lord helps us to never give up. Through our trials, through our circumstances, we'll come out bigger and stronger on the other side. 
I know this is possible because Jesus did it himself, right? After I got out of uh, that recruiter's office and they denied me for, for um, to go in the military, there was a time in my period and that I worked three jobs. And my wife was going to school full time. And we had two little girls. And I remember coming home from work and high-fiving each other as she's going to work. And I'm coming home and I got no sleep. And I'm having to take care of a couple little girls. And every day, it got easier and it got harder. Right? And I remember when the Lord came into my life, my prayer my only prayer was, Lord, give me a job that doesn't conflict with church. Give me a job where I'm able to go there every Sunday and every Wednesday. Because I started serving. The minute God came into my life, I started serving. I was the first one at the church, the last one to leave. I mow lawns. I plunge toilets. I've done it all. If it needed to be done, I did it. All glory goes to God. I got to do that. I didn't have to do it. I got to do it. See, because when I got saved, I started remembering all the things that I did to try to run away from God. And God was always there. I just didn't see it. I always used to say, oh, man, I was so lucky. I got pulled over and I didn't go to jail. Oh, man, I got so lucky I didn't get caught. And now you fast forward and I realize God was always there. I just didn't see it. And I knew that to just keep going, I never gave up. I never gave up. I didn't do it the right way all the time. But as God is my witness, I always worked. I always worked hard. That was the one thing my parents taught me was work hard. So when everything fell apart, you know what? I couldn't make ends meet with one job, so I got three jobs. And I made five bucks here and four bucks there and five bucks here. And then guess what? It added up to what my old job was paying me. I just had to work more hours. And little by little bit, I kept getting promoted. Lord, bless me with a job that doesn't conflict with church. And then I would get a job. And I always tell people, be careful what you pray for. Because if you pray for a job, he's going to give you a job. I talked to so many people. Oh, I was praying for this. They're doing really good. But then all they do is talk bad about their job. That's what you prayed for. Honor it. Do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. And guess what? He's going he's gonna to promote you. The world doesn't promote you. God promotes you. I talked to one of our, our, our youth leaders who's applying for a job. And she's like, well, I don't qualify for this. That's good because the world doesn't qualify you. God qualifies you. And if that job is meant for you, I don't care if you know nothing about anything. You're going to get that job. Why? Because we serve a great and mighty God who knows your purpose. He knows your calling. He's just waiting for you to see it. I didn't see it for 20-some years. And all I wanted to do was be in church. Be in church. And listen, I'm not any more special than you are. I find myself doing this for a living now, years later. I got a call back from an architect firm that I used to work for, asking me if I wanted to go back and work for them. I said, no, I'm living my dream. Right? I love what I do. I'm not rich in money, but I'm rich in grace. I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. 
I'm married to my best friend who I did everything in the world to mess up. And we're married. We're celebrating 28 years this year, and I'm glad we didn't give up. I got two wonderful kids that I like to take credit for raising them, but it was really just the people from the church, the leaders that raised them. Because, man, I talked to my, one of my daughters, and she tells me stories, and, man, I did it wrong, right? But I thank God for pastors like Tina, who was always there talking to her. Other pastors from my other church that was always there for my kids. So I, I, I have two beautiful kids. Listen, I did everything. I've been through stuff by my resilience. And then you, you put God into that equation, and the possibilities are endless. I mean, you got this kid from a third world country that can't even talk right up here talking to you guys about Jesus. Why? Because I've tasted him. And all I want is for one person in this place to taste him for yourself. And I promise you, I promise you, your life will never be the same. I don't care if you've been serving God for a year or you've been serving God for a month or you've been serving God for 35 years or 50 years. God can meet you here right now. And you can taste him for the first time. Or maybe you forgot what he tasted like and you need to taste him again. And your life is going to drastically change. And you will never be the same. And you don't have to talk about it. Everybody will see it. Is that okay? You guys received that this morning? Can we give God a big hand? He's good all the time. We serve a great and mighty God. And if the worship team came up, can come up here, I know I went a little bit over, but that's okay. We'll let Pastor Travis deal with that. Um, we serve a mighty God. And my prayer this morning is that if one person, whether you're online or you're here present, if one person can say, you know what? I really don't know God the way I thought I knew him. I really do need you tonight or today. Father, I need you because I can't do this on my own. I want a drastic change in my life. If that's you, let's go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand up. We're going to worship. Everybody stand up. I don't want anybody feeling awkward, okay? This is just your sign of saying, yeah, Lord, I need you. Listen, I'm up here. I need you, God. I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect. I miss it every single day. And Lord, your grace still, still good for me. Father, I get it wrong. I mess up. I go through the motions sometimes, Lord, but I know that you're always the same. And I need you to this morning, Father. I need you to come down and touch me in a mighty way so that I can allow you to help me go through whatever it is that I'm going through today. Father, let me learn what you're trying to teach me right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all his children said, amen, amen. Let's, let's worship him, God. That's it for today's teaching. 
Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.